0: the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. your Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou, among my Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy of Seat of wisdom. Pray for us. Blessed John Don Scotus. the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Yes, we well. we'll jump in. Medias Res. Virgil. Virgil, we're a little bit behind time already, so I want to simply take a few moments, to say, express my, my great pleasure being here. It's a great honor to be able to welcome all of you to this symposium on the Mariology of Blessed John Duns Scotus, commemoration of the 700th anniversary of the Marian Doctor's holy death in Cologne, 8th of November. 2008, that's 700 years after the actual actual date. Since the close of Vatican II nearly half a century ago, relatively little new research on the Mariology of SCOTUS has been undertaken, either in general or in regard to single themes, compared with the number of original studies in this field of research published during the half century preceding the Council in considerable part inspired by the genius and spirit of Father Charles Ballage of Happy Memory, and undertaken in connection with the project of making available a critical edition of the authentic writings of this great theologian. That is a seemingly irrelevant there, but the most important point, that the critical edition of SCOTUS was undertaken precisely in order, as it were, to set forth more accurately and more in depth his Mariology because the Mariology is the clue to understanding all the rest. The English Jesuit poet, Father Gerard Manley Hopkins, a quasi-born Scotist, hit upon the exact relation between the two titles, Subtle and Marian Doctor, when he described Blessed John Dunnes as the man who of all men most sways my spirit to peace of reality, the rarest feigned unraveler the rival Italy, it's an allusion to St. Thomas, or Greece, an allusion to Aristotle, who fired France for Mary without spot from the sonnet Don Scotus' Oxford. Hence, as it were, the rarest veined unraveler of reality, subtle metaphysics, study of being, of what is, and uh, the man who <laughs> fired France for Mary without spot, that is the immaculate conception. The concluding words, who fired France for Mary Without Spot, identify the source of Scotus's greatness as theologian and metaphysician in the Franciscan tradition. Scotus is rightly known as a subtle doctor. A good metaphysician cannot be other than subtle. But he is a good metaphysician because he is so excellent a Marian doctor, indeed, the Marian doctor because he has the honor of being the saint who gave the Marian thought of St. Francis and the stupendous insights of St. Bonaventure into the universal mediation of the Virgin Mary, their first and radically definitive foundation and systematization. This has continued to the present as the characteristic feature of Franciscan theology, the Marian mode of the Franciscan thesis, as it already was the distinctive feature of St. Francis' spirituality, so succinctly summarized by de Vranche. Mary is our mediatrix with Jesus, as Jesus is our mediator with the Father, from the Legenda Versificata, the, the life of St. Francis in verse, written about 1240, 14 years after the Pavarello's death. Therewith, the Trinitarian basis for the economy of salvation is clearly indicated, one neatly centered by Scotus in the absolute predestination of Christ to glory, and in him all the elect as well, a project executed through the maternal mediation of the All-Holy Virgin, the Immaculate, as Mother of God and of the Church. In the mystery of Mary, both in the mind of Francis and of Scotus, we find the key to the dequit, the fittingness, of our theology. The rationale, which links the theology of contingence with that uh, of the necessary, and the theology of the head, Christology, with that of the body or church, ecclesiology. In our times, a contemporary of Father Ballage, Father Saint Maximilian Maria Colbe, gave a finishing touch to all this, if you please a certain coloratio scoti, appropriate to the age of the Holy Spirit, Mary, and the Church. He pointed out that Mary is our Mediatrix because she is the spouse of the Holy Spirit, namely the created Immaculate Conception as the Holy Spirit is the uncreated Immaculate Conception. This is why Jesus dwells in our minds and hearts, as St. Francis wrote in his first letter to the faithful, because he is there born by the operation of the Holy Spirit as he also became man at the incarnation by the operation of the Holy Spirit. Whether we speak of the divine maternity of Mary in the incarnation, whereby a man became the natural son of God, or her spiritual maternity in the church, whereby the rest of the elect become the adoptive children of God, we are talking about the maternal mediation of Mary, which leads to the birth of Jesus in our world or in our hearts. That mediation is but the operation of the Immaculate Conception, created and uncreated. There cannot be any question about the relation between the Immaculate Conception and the absolute predestination of Christ as head of all creation and the consequent absolute primacy of Jesus and Mary implicit in the theology of Scotus and therefore of the Marian character of our theology. This is why the metaphysics of Scotus is also radically colored by his Mariology. The metaphysics of Scotus, especially univocal concept of being and its disjunctive modes, and the primacy of the will and charity, is a metaphysics which serves to render intelligible and lovable these great mysteries at the heart of a salvation which as St. Thomas so perceptively noted could not be better in an even more perfect world, one of the three quasi-infinites of St. Thomas, the other two being the incarnation and divine maternity. Since the council, there's been a tendency to see Scotus as the granddaddy of Kant via Suarez, primarily as a philosophical theologian, and this in a not particularly complementary fashion. This is unfortunate. Suarez is a great theologian with a very profound treatise on Our Lady. Unfortunately, as metaphysician, he is an eclectic, taking bits from Thomas and pieces from Scotus, and in the process, introducing a heavy dosage of Occam into counter-reformation thought. Neither Ockham, a good candidate for the honor of being granddaddy of Kant, nor Suarez offers a metaphysics specifically Marian, as does Scotus. (laughs) Scotus does so precisely because he systematically supports the absolute primacy of Jesus. This is why the Scotistic concept of will, as radically ordered and unitive, is eons removed from the fearful willfulness sponsored by so much of modern philosophy or better ideology, and given such seductive form by Immanuel Kant. On the question of the so-called ontological argument of Anselm, as on the argument of Anselm concerning the Panhagia, and on the absolute primacy of Jesus, Scotus and Kant stand at totally opposite extremes. Yet it is also true that the valid insights of Kant are precisely truths already present in Scotus there authentically in Kant by way of a profound deformation induced by his insistence on the absolute autonomy of the transcendental ego and the radically, that means me, and uh, and the radically arbitrary indifference and therefore irrational categorical imperative of the human will in its transcendental lunge towards the infinite noumenon. The radically autonomous will of the creature is exactly the contrary of the radically humble will of the Immaculate Virgin, preserved from all taint of sin, because her will so perfectly one with that of God. With these few considerations, we can glimpse how important could be the study of Scotus's systematic mariology, grounded on the mystery of the Immaculate Conception, for dealing positively and effectively with the challenge posed to our faith, hope, and charity by the universal spread of Kantianism throughout the world. We can also see how potentially tragic is the general neglect of Scotus's Mariology, not only for the correct appreciation of Scotistic Franciscan theology, but Catholic theology in general.